The reading this evening is taken from Luke chapter 5, beginning to read at verse 17. Jesus forgives and heals a paralysed man. One day Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal those who were ill. Some men came carrying a paralysed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, Get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, We have seen remarkable things today. Thank you, Matt, very much. How can I be sure? How can I be sure? It's a big question, really, isn't it? And uh, it's quite a common question these days. How can I be sure? How can I be sure the vaccine isn't going to infect me and change my uh, DNA and my children's DNA and my grandchildren's DNA? In fact, all my uh, people, family members and so on coming after me. Um, how can I be sure, actually, I'm going to... Um, uh, live long enough and COVID isn't going to kill me before the vaccine comes? How can I be sure I've done uh, enough work in order for my assessment to be uh, as good as it could be? How can I be sure I've done enough preparation for the interview tomorrow morning? Um, how can I be sure that my antiperspirant will work? It's called sure, but I can't be sure. How can I be sure I'm going to get home from the station safely tonight? I mean, I know um, Peter Sutcliffe's been arrested, but, uh, uh, and then he went to prison, and now he's died, but uh, there are other folks around as well. So how can I be sure I'm going to get home safely tonight? How can I be sure the car won't break down when we're on holiday? How can I be sure I've chosen the right university course? How can I be sure Jesus is who people say he is? Well, those are mostly big questions. How can I be sure, and how can I be sure about Jesus is an absolutely whopping question. And Luke's Gospel was written for one guy and then a whole load of people very much like this one particular person. Um, and the idea is, in writing this Gospel, 
that Luke is writing in order to help someone be sure about Jesus. He's writing it to help people like you and me be sure about Jesus, who Jesus is. Uh, And is he really the person that we've been told he is? Now, maybe you're just sort of on the fringes of things, or you've just tuned in tonight to have a look and see what goes on one of these services or something. You've heard about Jesus, you know some things about him, but how can you be sure? Maybe you've, you've got a sort of a bit of an upbringing and so on, but how can you be sure that what you've been told is actually true, that it's real, that this is the real Jesus that you've been told about? Well, this evening we're thinking just simply about this. Jesus know for sure. And let's pray together now. For we pray you'd speak to us and we pray that we may be more sure about Jesus in 20 odd minutes time than we are now. For his name's sake. Amen. Well, we're doing a series in these, uh, these bits of Luke which come after the, the stories about Jesus' birth. And we're, we're gradually going through. We've got to chapter 5 now. So you've got a Bible there at home. It's chapter 5 and verses 17 to 26. And I think it's really important when we look, when we look at Luke's Gospel that we can know what's going on and why he wrote it. So the first four verses, Luke chapter 1, verses 1 to 4, say this. Many have undertaken to drop an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those from whom the... Uh, who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things that you have been taught. You may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. So in other words, Luke is writing for this guy Theophilus and people like him uh, so that they may be, we may be, sure or know the certainty of the things that we have been taught. And uh, last week we were uh, hearing from uh, Don, for instance, about Jesus healing a man with leprosy. The idea is that we, maybe this this, uh, guy Theophilus, maybe you've heard of Jesus healing people so that we can be sure about what it is that we've heard. This time we've got a bloke who's paralysed and he gets healed. But more important, Jesus claims to forgive this guy his sins. Were they really forgiven? Can we be sure? Now, who was uh, Jesus, anyway, that he could actually claim to do this? And if he really did forgive this guy his sins, then who was Jesus? Who do you think he is? So, know for sure this evening. Let's see what happened. Uh, Jesus was... uh, popular and intriguing. People, including Pharisees, great big religious guys and teachers of the law, kind of religious professionals who spent their life learning and reading and passing this learning on to other people. Uh, they're all there. You look in verse 17. One day Jesus was teaching the Pharisees, teachers of the law were sitting there. They come from every village of Galilee. That's up north. And from Judea. That's down south. And Jerusalem. That's a long journey. They've come a long way to here to find out more about this Jesus. And uh, the Pharisees, they were a sect of about, mm, about 6,000 of them, and they saw it as their job 
their duty for Israel, the people of Israel, to be the holy people of God. And they took that incredibly seriously. They were very, very serious about that. They were very, very serious that them, about themselves not sinning and very, very serious about other people not sinning so they could be the holy people of God. And some of the Pharisees and the teachers of the Lord, they were there. And they were listening to Jesus. They were sounding out this new teacher on the block. And then verse 18, it says some men came and they were carrying a guy who was paralysed. Don't know who he was, don't know who they were. I mean, maybe this guy was an older guy who was paralysed, perhaps the men were his sons and friends or neighbours or whatever, or maybe ran the other way, perhaps, uh, you know, it was an older man carrying a son, we, and uh, his friends carrying a son. We just don't know. They couldn't get in, because the, the, the place was full, the house was full, they couldn't get in at all. There's an outside stair, they went up the stairs, and then they uh, went onto the roof, and the idea is they're going to break in. And then Jesus is teaching. You can imagine Imagine, it's really crowded, it's pretty face-to-face stuff. Jesus is teaching there, and then there's a scraping and banging on the roof, and then some dust starts coming down. And then a bit more than dust, a bit of plaster and bits of wood and so on. And perhaps it probably goes into Jesus' hair and his beard. And then there's a shaft of sunlight comes down. Then he looked up again, and there's actually a bit of a hole there, and you can see a face. And then it's two, three, four faces. And then this hole gets hugely bigger, and then suddenly this guy on this mat gets lowered down on, on a couple of ropes, and he plonks down there on the floor in front of Jesus. It's a bit of an interruption, isn't it? Just an extraordinary thing. He's lowered there. So what's going to happen? What, what is Jesus going to do? Now, this, it's one of these moments, isn't it? You think, something's going to happen here. This is a bit like Usain Bolt at the start of 100 metres. You reckon something is going to happen here. You just know that something's going to happen. Or the start of an F1 race. You know, you're thinking uh, it's worth watching the start, the first corner, the first lap, the first five laps or whatever, and the end uh, to see if Lewis Hamilton has won yet another one and so on. And uh, if you haven't seen the F1 or heard about it, I'll keep quiet. You might watch some highlights later on or something. But, uh, um, but the thing is, you see, you think something's going to happen here, and it does. It really does. But it's a whole lot more than they think, because they're just thinking Jesus is going to heal this guy. Or at least I hope it's going to happen like that. But Jesus, it's a whole lot more than that, because Jesus says to, in verse 20, Jesus saw their their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Friend, your sins are forgiven. Now, these religious guys who are just sitting down here, they know that that's a huge and enormous claim. And they're saying to one another, but Jesus knows what they're thinking. So if you glance on to uh, verse, verse 22 there, Jesus knew what they were thinking in verse 22. And they were thinking, who can forgive sins but God alone? So they were thinking, well look, this guy Jesus has said, your sins are forgiven, but he's just a man, so... He can't be God, because God's the only one who can forgive sins, and if you're saying, I forgive your sins, he's claiming to be God, and he's not God, so therefore he's, he's, he's blaspheming. And that's a terrible sin. And that's going to stop the people of Israel here being holy. So this is a very serious business. Uh, but Jesus then says, no, I'm going to, uh, I, I, I do have authority here to forgive you your sins. But that is not immediately verifiable, is it? How do they know? And so he says, that in order that you may know that the Son of Man has authority here in order to forgive you your sins, I say to you, get up, pick up your mat and go home. 
So in other words, if he gets up, picks up his mat and goes home, Jesus is saying, I've not only healed you, but I've forgiven you your sins as well. So you look at the end of verse 24 and verse 25. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. And what happened? Verse 25, immediately, immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he'd been lying on and went home praising God. What a great day. What a great day for that paralyzed guy. What an extraordinary day. He's healed, he's walking, he's praising God. But if you asked him now... If you were to ask him now, was that a great day? He'd say, yeah, of course it was a great day, but I want to tell you about an even better thing that happened today. It wasn't the healing, but it was actually what happened when Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. He'd say, I was healed and I was able to walk and run, and it was wonderful. But years later, though, as I got older and my legs kind of got a bit weary and a bit thin and so on, a bit weaker and eventually I died and it was at the moment when I died and I walked through the gates of glory to be with this Jesus who had been there and to be with him for all eternity then that was the moment when I really got it and I really understood that actually the thing that he said to me about having my sins forgiven was far more significant, it was a far bigger thing than just the healing because it affects and goes on for the whole of eternity. Remember, I was put right with God, and now I can spend the whole of eternity with him. To be healed was wonderful. To have my sins forgiven was eternally wonderful, and it still is. Now remember, Luke is writing for this guy Theophilus, and people like him, so that they can be sure about Jesus. Jesus, know for sure. And the first thing he wants us to see and to know for sure is that uh, Jesus is the Son of Man. Jesus is the Son of Man. I haven't mentioned this yet, though I did uh, uh, quote that. But verse 24, But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Now, there are various different interpretations of what Son of Man means. For instance, some say, well, it's saying that Jesus is a man. Some say it means he's really identifying with mankind, so therefore, when he dies for us, he actually does die for us. But actually, you ask any Jewish person in those days what it meant, and they would immediately have thought, oh, Daniel chapter 7. And in Daniel chapter 7, just going to turn to it and read it to you. It's verses 13 and 14, and it says this. In my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days, that's God, the Father, and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. That is a picture of the victorious Messiah returning to heaven after the resurrection, approaching the throne of God, the Ancient of Days, being given authority and glory and sovereign power, and all peoples on earth worshipping him for all eternity. And it says his dominion and his kingdom will not pass away. They will never be destroyed. And Jesus says, that's me. 
I am the Son of Man. And he proves it. He proves it by claiming that uh, he has forgiven the guy his sins and then actually showing he's, do- he's done it because he does the thing that's verifiable. You can't show at the time when you've got this guy in front of you, you've forgiven him his sins. But if you say, look, basically, if I heal you, I'll show you that I've, I've forgiven you your sins. And then he heals him and he gets up and he walks out the door. Jesus says, that's true. That's me. And he proves it by healing the guy. So he walked out the door. As C.S. Lewis wrote, uh, then comes a real shock. Among the Jews, there suddenly turns up a man who goes about talking as if he was God. He claims to forgive sins. He says he always existed. He says he's coming to judge the world at the end of time. And when you've grasped that, you will see that what this man said was quite simply the most shocking thing that has ever been uttered by human lips. And also the most wonderful. You may have heard the claim, Jesus, the Son of Man. Theophilus almost certainly has heard the claim that Jesus was the Son of Man. That he was divine. God's Messiah. Now returned to glory in heaven. And Luke is saying, you may have heard that. I'm telling you that you can now be sure about it. You can be certain about it. That God walked this earth. That he was here. That he gave himself for us. But the first thing he's saying here, this is Jesus' identity. The Son of Man. God with flesh on. Walking this earth amongst us for our good. Know for sure. The second thing is uh, that that, um, uh, we want to be sure about here is that the Son of Man with power to heal, with power to heal. Be sure Jesus is the Son of Man, divine, and two things follow. First one, just spend a little bit of time with this about healing, the power to heal, and then much more important, the authority to forgive sins. But let's not forget the healing, because this guy was actually healed, wasn't he? Instantly. We don't know why he was paralysed, but whatever the reason was, it was sorted. And you can see in verses 25 and 26, it's instant, it's complete, it's wonderful, and it's praiseworthy. The man praised God, the people praised God in verse 26 there. And the Pharisees and the teachers of the law have a big problem with it. They didn't praise God, but more about them in just a moment. Jesus the healer. Of course he is. Why wouldn't he be? If he's the son of man, it's really not a problem, is it? In fact, you would expect it to happen. And sometimes we get a little bit kind of, a bit too reticent, don't we, about, about God's ability to heal. And we, I think sometimes we, don't just, we just don't praise him as we should. This man was healed. Jesus, the son of man, did it. Theophilus. You need to know for sure, and today we need to know for sure that Jesus did that, that he has that power. Sometimes today he still does it, and let's not be afraid to praise him when he does. He had, and he has, the power to heal. I mean, normally he uses the NHS, it seems to me, but actually it can be miraculous in other ways as well. And when he does... Let's genuinely praise God for his healings. 
So Jesus, the Son of Man, with power to heal. And then the third thing here also is this, the authority to forgive sins. Look again at verse 21 with me, would you? The Pharisees and teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Well, of course. You're absolutely right. Who can forgive sins but God alone? But the thing is that they couldn't get, well, this guy here in this room with us could actually be God. But they couldn't accept that. They couldn't see that. That was too extraordinary for them to grasp. In some ways, you can't blame them, can you? But we, looking back there, looking back 2,000 years, and we can think, well, actually, we believe that God really was there in the room with them. And we can be sure about that. We can be confident about that. Not only has he claimed to forgive sins, he did it. Because he was God here with us. It was Spurgeon writing about this passage who said this, I think I see him. He sets one foot down to God's glory. He plants the other to the same note. He walks to God's glory. He carries his bed to God's glory. He moves his whole body to the glory of God. He speaks, he shouts, he sings. He leaps to the glory of God. And every movement of that renewed man is saying, not only that Jesus, the Son of Man, has the the power to heal, but even more importantly, Jesus, the Son of Man, has the authority to forgive sins. And Theophilus, and for each one of us today, know for sure this news about Jesus. The Son of Man, with the authority to heal, with the power to heal rather, and the authority to forgive sins. Know for sure. Know for certain. But we're not quite done yet. So have a look at verse 26. Verse 26, everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we've seen remarkable things today. The word remarkable is literally paradox. Paradox. And uh, I looked up in a dictionary. A paradox is uh, a seemingly absurd but perhaps well-founded action. Or, a person or thing conflicting with preconceived notions of what is reasonable or possible. And this is something new. This is someone walking the earth and doing the impossible. Proving that he has forgiven this guy's sins. So he can't just be a man, can he? We can be sure God walked this planet. And when that guy walked out of the door, that is being meaning that we can be sure, that we can be certain about that. He is the Son of Man. He is the divine. He is God's Messiah. He is God's walking God walking this planet. Know for sure. Oh, and one final thing. It is pointless to know for sure if it just stops there. If you think, oh, that's very nice. Um, you know, let's go and have a cup of coffee, shall we? Or whatever. You know, I'll go and put the kettle on. Now, what is the point of knowing for sure that Jesus was and is the Son of Man with the power to heal and the authority to forgive sins if we do nothing about it? Because knowing for sure will never, ever, ever, ever just stop there. 
Verse 20. When Jesus saw their faith, that's the faith of the guys bringing the man on the mat, maybe his faith as well. And uh, the friends probably thought maybe the man suggested it and got some people around saying, if he can just get me to Jesus, maybe he can do something for me here. Well, Jesus did rather a lot for him, didn't he? No, for sure. It means putting your faith in Jesus. Now, if you want to go to uh, Victoria on the train from Hove, uh, let's say you go down there one morning and uh, you want to go to Victoria, long, not London Bridge, so you get down to Hove Station and uh, the board says the 9.50 is going to go from Platform 1 and it's going to go to Victoria. Going to stop at a few extra places like Burgess Hill, which wouldn't normally do so, but uh, the 9.50 is going to Victoria. You get your phone out, you look at the National Rail app and you see the 9.50, Platform 1, going to Victoria, it's on time and it's just left Port Slade. And, uh, uh, and then there's an announcement saying the 950 at platform one is going to Victoria. It'll be here in just, uh, just a couple of minutes. And then when a train comes in, you look at the front of the train, it says on the front, London, Victoria, in those kind of orangey, yellowy, kind of lighty-up things on the front of the train. And then when the doors open, uh, you just uh, pop inside and then you, you go and uh, talk to someone and you say, is this train going to Victoria? And they say, yeah, it is. You then get off, run up the platform and you go and talk to the conductor person. And you say, is this, is this train going to Victoria? And he says, yeah, it is. You ought to get on. It's just about to go. You've got to get on the train. If you want to go to Victoria, get on the train. You've got the information. You know it's going to Victoria. Get on the train. And if you're sure about Jesus, you've got to get on the train. You've got to step out. You've got to step out for him. Get on the train. Commit yourself to him. It's about faith. These guys were putting their faith in Jesus. This is about faith. Luke is saying, you can be sure. I'm writing this so you can be sure about the stuff you've heard, but now you've got to get on the train. You've got to step out. You've got to take that step of faith. Or if you're already on the train, then thank God for what he's done for you and bringing you to new life with Jesus. And if you're on the train, we want to help other people know Jesus too, don't we? Alpha is great. Still an opportunity this week to invite others to, uh, to be there on Alpha this week. Be there yourself. And uh, you can do that still. Uh, to be honest, I think we've been a, a, a little bit disappointed with the overall numbers there. We keep on praying, keep on inviting. We want more and more people to be sure about Jesus. Or maybe for you, times of COVID and the mental health and the furlough job is struggling a bit and so on and uh, uh, you long to see your aged parents and you wonder if you're going to get through the next few months okay and uh, you want Jesus to get you through well, you need to put your trust in him, don't you? You really need to put your trust in him. And each day saying, Lord Jesus, please help me. That's what faith means. Please help me. I put my trust in you. I put my hand in yours to get me through what could be a, a bit of a long, dark winter. We know Jesus. We know for sure that Jesus is the Son of Man with the power to heal and the authority, 
the authority to forgive sins, to open up heaven for us, and we can start a new life with him. We can do that now, or we can rejoice that we have begun that. I'm just going to pause for a moment. So you might want to respond to Jesus in whatever way you want to do. You could say to him, Lord Jesus, I want to put my trust in you now. Please help me to do that. Or you might want to bring him something that you're perhaps struggling a bit with a bit at the moment. And you're a Christian and you want to say to Jesus, Jesus, please, would you help me with that? I'm sure you're the son of man who came to this earth to die for me so my sins could be forgiven. Like that guy who forgave his sins all those years ago. Whatever it is for you, we're just going to have a few moments quiet for us to respond to the Lord Jesus.